Welcome to Curtain Jerks here on the Comedy Podcast Network. I'm Mark Borzeka. I'm Steve Sears. I'm Scott Narver. I'm breaking out. We're all comedians living in Los Angeles and we're all pro wrestling fans. And this is a special edition of Curtain Jerks. Guys, I'm going to call this episode Close Encounters with Professional Wrestlers. I love it. Yeah, that's good. I've just title. improvised that based on our theme uh, because we have a special theme for this special edition. Today we're going to tell, so we've all been professional wrestling fans for a very long time. Most of us since we were little, little kids. Well, actually, Steve... Uh, Steve came a little later too. When did you start watching Steve during the Attitude Era, right? Yeah, high school. Yeah, I started getting high, and I was like, "Hey, this is pretty cool." I started watching when I was nine years old. I'm 34 now. That's a long ass time. That is a long time to be getting high, Mark. That is a really long time to be getting high. In '86, I started watching. What about you guys? I started watching uh, WrestleMania four. So that's uh, I don't know, probably like seven, eight for me. Yeah, I'd say 84, 85. I I was. uh, what it was wasn't soon after that I started watching it where Hogan was the champion. So mm-hmm. much so they were still replaying him winning the belt. Oh wow! Yeah. You came. You were ushered right in with the yeah. Hulkamania era. Yeah. Hulkamania era. He was Hulkamarinated. <laughs> <laughs> and um, well, anyways, we are going to tell stories today on the show. True, these are true stories. A lot of times we do sketches and skits and bits and bad impressions. We won't show. say we won't be doing that today. Yeah, well, that's, that's still on tap. Some of that may still happen. In fact, for sure, it probably will happen. But so get gonna... your snuggie and get on the couch and just enjoy <laughs> some fireside stories. Just a little bit of skits and bits. <laughs> We're going to tell some true stories today of times in our life when we met professional wrestlers. Close encounters with professional wrestlers. Can I start, guys? Sure, yes. sure, sure. Start away. Pleasant Tips one. and tricks. There's nothing funny or wacky about this story. Yeah, don't, make the, don't make this one the, cl- the, the big one, all right? It's just, no, this is just a true story. When I was a kid... Uh, of course, like I was saying, I was a big pro wrestling fan, and everyone in my family sort of liked wrestling. My grandparents had liked wrestling. Your pets? Uh, our, our cockapoo liked wrestling. <laughs> and um, <laughs> our cockapoo, Missy. Yep. She loved wrestling. And, um, Missy and, cockapoo. No, but I know a lot of people grow up in families where, um, you know, your parents don't want you watching wrestling. They think it's trashy. They think it's stupid. They think it's... Bad food melts your brain. Hey, Jesus, back off, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let and me all, make my own decision. All yeah. those things are probably true, but my parents like... I don't want to go to Cornell. They liked wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> um, they liked wrestling, and um, they let us watch it. And anyways, we wanted... It, when, we, when I became a big enough fan, I was dying to meet the wrestlers, you know? So my dad had this idea of, like, let's... This is way, way, way pre-9-11. So he said, let's go to the airport. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Let's let's go to the airport because rent a plane." <laughs> no, I just mean that airport security was different then. Because you could go. Let's to... bring a gun. <laughs> no, you could. Those wrestlers don't want to meet us. I'll pull the gun, and you guys get in for a quick photo, and then we'll get in the car and get on our way home. No, what you were saying is that you could actually go up to a gate. You, you could, could go up meet to the people. Yeah, you could yeah. see people getting off planes. Yes, yeah. Which sounds like Steel a fucking bags. fantasy world. Right? Yeah. So the first. First time we went to the airport, we went to the gate and we figured out where the wrestlers were had wrestled the night before. And they were coming in for a house show to, to Detroit. And we went to the gate and we met Coco Beware and King Kong Bundy and got their autographs. Whoa, oh. the case. That was pretty exciting. And we were little and we were really confused because Coco Beware was not very friendly. Steve doesn't know who he is right now. He was <laughs> the Birdman. He's was, in the yeah. WWE Hall of Fame, Steve. I understand that. I'm just wondering, did he... I hope he didn't put that bird in the undercarriage of the plane because they pressurized that. <laughs> uh, I don't know. He didn't have it with him. 
It's because he had to buy a new one at a pet shop. (laughs) So uh, he was like kind of a jerk, and but quickly signed our guys to children. Yeah, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, ridiculous. But King Kong Bundy. I'm glad I don't know who he is. Bundy was a top heel at the time, and he was extraordinarily nice to us. And this kind of blew our minds because we didn't realize, you know, that it was they were acting on television. Mm -hmm. Did they hug you? Did Uh, you get a hug? No, they, no, we didn't try to hug them, Scott. You're children. Don't what? you hug Mickey Did Mouse when and, you go to Disneyland? I guess. Did you and Coco Beware get into an argument? <laughs> <laughs> but that was the, so that was the first time. So that was the time that we knew that this plan would work. That we could go to the airport and meet wrestlers, right? So we started doing it. Airport plan. So we decided to go back. And the next house show in our area was uh, the uh, well. The next time we went back to the airport, at least, was when the NWA crew was coming in for a house show at Kobo Arena, and they ran Kobo a lot. And so we went to the airport. We were waiting in baggage claim this time, and we're down in baggage claim. And some people cut off this flight, and we hear somebody say, "A guy goes, boy, that flight was fun." And the people are like, "Yeah, that was fun. That was crazy. That was wild." They're all like buzzing about their flight, and then one guy goes. He says to the people that are coming to pick him up, he goes, the whole flight was full of wrestlers. It was a pack of wrestlers on the plane, professional wrestlers. So we were like, oh, my God. So these two little kids by baggage claims, eyeballs just turned into Totally. Because we're like, holy shit. So the entire NWA house show crew is all on this one flight. So suddenly, like, I don't know, 35, 40 guys all come into baggage claim at the exact same time. I mean, we couldn't believe it. And, um, of course, at the center of attention was Ric Flair. Ric Flair was there. And fully, you know, this is Ric Flair and it's in the late 80s. So this is still his, his prime or maybe someone said just, just past. But, I mean, he, is, he looks like what Ric Flair looked like on television at the time. Like, he's in the suit, looks incredible, got the watch, got the rings, got everything. And still to this day, one of the most charismatic people I've ever seen live. And I've seen Ric Flair a lot of times since then. But this first time was, like, unbelievable. It was like the entire airport was revolving around this dude <laughs> as he's walking into back. Lex <laughs> Luthor is here. Lex Luthor arrived. Everyone, Lex Luthor Just is there. shaking Luger. hands. Luthor. Talking to Superman's people. Superman's That's right. And we got, we got all their autographs, and I shook his hand, and uh, well, that was a great uh, close encounter. Did with you hug How him? many of the 40 did you actually get? Did you have to... Yeah, a couple of people didn't make your cut. Were you running get... back and forth no, we, getting autographs? We were running at everybody getting autographs. We got a ton. I think I remember... And hugs? Lots of hugs. Lots of hugs. <laughs> yeah. I remember hugging Dirty Dick Slater for a really long time. <laughs> he was, a lot of he fun. was so happy. You Gary Hart. Keep Gary hugging Hart. me. Keep hugging me. <laughs> Gary Hart's a great hugger. He was a sweet man. <laughs> I imagine these wrestlers hugging you, but then just passing you off to another wrestler. So you didn't... <laughs> For a while, you weren't touching the ground. You were just going from wrestler to wrestler. I remember telling Dangerous Danny Spivey, good luck in your match tonight. And he was like, uh, yeah, thanks. Because I thought it was, you know, I thought it was Shit's real fake, stuff. kid. Stupid. <laughs> Clothesline. And I remember uh, Teddy Long. Teddy Long was in the crew at that time. And I, As and, a referee? Uh, yeah, he was a refer- NWA referee. And we got his autograph still, though. And, uh, and we were like, thank you. And he was like, no, thank you. 
And we thought that was really cool. Did you guys battle it out for a while? Like, no, thank you. Hey, man, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. Give me a hug. Okay. Dancing. Thank you. Dancing. No, thank you. Dancing. So that was a a pretty fun uh, close encounter. uh, Do you remember some of the other names of the people that were there? Were, like, the Road Warriors there? Uh, I don't remember the Road Warriors being there. I don't have my makeup. Do you have your makeup? Where's my makeup? Where's my makeup? Oh, no, I left it on the plane. No, let's get these shoulder pads out of these jackets. Oh, Rick Flair and Arn Anderson were there. Um, the Midnight Express were there, which and Jim Cornette, which was pretty cool for me at that the time. That early in the day? What? <laughs> yeah, they were the... Uh, they were Mark the... laughs. Brett looks at Steve <laughs> with disdain. <laughs> they were the, um, the Mid-Morning Express. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, it was a, it was it was good times, gentlemen. Good times. That's my first uh, close encounter. Please, his, gentlemen. His first encounter was uh, two wrestlers the first time, forty the next time. So, so whoever can be forty two wrestlers. The top. Yeah. That's so who tough can to be forty two in one sitting? In one sitting, forty two for a meet and greet. No, yeah. I've seen him come by like cattle, but not all like hi. How are you? Hug. Hi. How are you? Hug. Hi. How are you? Hug. Sign my chest. <laughs> well, I'll just tell the, this one real quick. Um, I. Uh, Again, I came from a family where my dad was a big wrestling fan as well, so I was sort of ushered into it. So I think I probably only have my first memories of uh, wrestling when it was, I'd have been about 10, 11 years old in 84, 85. But uh, I probably watched it earlier than that, but I just don't remember too much about it. But uh, in 87 was the first Survivor Series, and it was in, I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio, and uh we had already moved away, but uh, we were visiting there uh, f- around Thanksgiving, and the very first Survivor Series was there. So my dad surprised us and got tickets for us, and it was myself, my brother, my dad, and my grandfather. So in the, car, name in the car on the way there, did you guys chant "Survive, Survive, Survive, Survive"? <laughs> like they've done in every promo for every Survivor Series. For- yeah, my grandfather came over from Germany during World War II, so I think he was, he was just like, chanting that survive! anyway. <laughs> yeah. Don't find me, don't find me, don't find me. Uh, <laughs> so we went to this show, and my dad surprised us while we were there, so I don't know if only twice in my life have I had worse tickets than this to any event, <laughs> where literally like you were as far up in the Richfield Coliseum. There was no seats behind us. We were that far up. How did he reveal the surprise to you? How did you uh, get these tickets? Well, I had been pestering him about it for my dad and my mom loved the whole, you know, like they hide your best present till after you're done opening everything and then else. They make and you then, think that everything you yes. got was shit. And then oh they'll be yeah. Like, yeah, and they wait and they read your face. They realize you're not happy at all, and then they finally show you that what do you one mean thing you, you don't were like. This for. bag full of sawdust. <laughs> Look at all that sawdust, Brad. It was usually my throw parents up. would do that, but they wouldn't give us the real present till July. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. That sucked. So we got there, and you know, I was, you know, as a little kid, I was angry because we were so close. As, a, as an adult, you're also angry. I, well, in in hindsight, I can't be. But I think there's a different, there's the varying degrees of rages are different. Like just, yeah, I was yeah. angry, angry person. Then. Yeah, I was. And kid then now raging. you could go up to someone in the arena and be like, "Hey, what the fuck, man?" <laughs> but I, uh, you know, I was mad because we were so close to where, like. Uh, where my grandparents live was 10 minutes outside the city. Richfield is actually 20 minutes further outside the city the other way. But I was like, we were so close to where this was going on. So I was uh, pestering him and pestering my dad. I'm like, why can't we go to this? Why can't we go to this? Not knowing the whole time he had tickets. But I imagine he didn't get the tickets till we had gotten into Cleveland like the day or two before. So uh, we were at Thanksgiving, and then right as we were finishing up the dinner. 
my dad his real name is Irwin. Okay. Very German. Uh, and at the end of the Survive. dinner, <laughs> Survive. don't find me. Is it safe? I, he surprised safe? us with the tickets right after dinner and said that me, my brother, and my grandpa were going with him. So it was awesome. And Mean Gene popped out of the turkey. It was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Which was a nice way to get the tickets presented. Well, uh, my dad had taken us to plenty of wrestling events in South Bend, which is where I grew up. And at Notre Dame, they used to come there all the time. So I was Gross. no stranger to uh, live <laughs> events. And my dad is always pretty good about letting me and my brother hang out afterwards to try to find hey, wrestlers. Hey, you just go find those sweaty bodybuilders. Which right is still what I do to this day is we try to figure out where they're going to go. So this was no different. After we did this whole uh, WrestleMania or, or Survivor Series thing, we went around to try to find where the you know the parking area was to see if we could find some of these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we... we Saw some people going into their buses and stuff like that, but nobody was close enough for us to talk to. So we moved back around and we were actually leaving. And as we were coming around one of the corner sides of Richfield Coliseum, Junkyard Dog was coming the other way just by himself. And uh, I bumped into him. I immediately was frozen with fear and happiness. And uh, he yeah, sat there and he grabbed them cakes. <laughs> grab them cakes. Grab them cakes. Come on, grab, grab them cakes. He sat there and he, and he, I mean, he had talked to like my family. I didn't speak up much because, again, I was frozen. You're so with fear. angry. But you blocked he, my path. <laughs> he talked to us for a good six to ten minutes. Uh, and then, uh, Irwin, walked this by. is my, my son, Brett. So pleasure to meet you the one crying hello dog <laughs> why don't my, you bark for that's, me that's my father <laughs> <laughs> but he couldn't have been friendlier and uh that was a, a fun meeting and it was like pretty much one-on-one you know and you hardly ever get that that experience and then 39 guys came out around and talked to us as well wow was andre there he was he was there the main event yeah he was there but we didn't see him yeah I would have loved to see Andre. It's good to see you, Brett. <laughs> you got to be careful. You might screw your head off. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Scott Narver. Uh, well, uh, one of my favorite encounters was uh, uh, WrestleMania uh, 18. Uh-huh. Um, my brother and I uh, went to Toronto. I had had some uh, serious uh, health issues at that point. I had had uh, I had broken my clavicle okay. uh, doing a show, and I also doing had that a, was a house show, right? Doing an yeah, doing a house show. show. Yeah. And hardly anybody was there. It was, <laughs> seems like it's nothing worthy, you know. It's because it was at someone's house. Right? <laughs> Got to do a crazy pay per view in order to you know really uh, really get the fans respect. Yeah. Uh, and I had had a, a collapsed lung and a pulmonary embolism. Like I was not supposed to fly, but. While in the hospital, I had seen all the buildup for Hogan and yeah. Rock. You got to work hurt, man. You gotta yeah, work yeah, hurt yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I was, was like, day. I am not missing this for the world. So we we ended up going to Toronto. So a bottle of Somas later. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt Angle and I became the best of friends. <laughs> and uh, I believe the uh, the all-healing uh, stomach wrap, right? You just wrapped yes. up your stomach? Yep. Uh, and I felt good. But uh, I still have my shirt off. To just show that I was still uh, tough. Yeah, yeah. But people kept going after my stomach, which was, it yeah. seems really unfair. Why would you paint a bullseye on yourself by bandaging yourself? You got to show how tough I am. Yep, that's right. So uh, we went to WrestleMania 18. It was awesome. A lot of stories happened there. One of the most incredible wrestling events I've ever been to live, being sixth row, which was really fourth row with the way the seats were laid out. 
Unbelievable. In Canadian? It was in Canadian, yeah. <laughs> it's always the two ahead. Right. <laughs> uh, it's a metric for you, yeah? Sixth oh, don't worry American. about it. You're, you're right here. It's all good, all right? Um, so the next day, my brother and I got to get on a plane to go uh, back home. But there we're we leaving go. the Toronto airport. Yeah. Uh, we had a connecting flight to Texas back to uh, to Los Angeles. Sure. So when we get into the airport, I have my arm in a sling. Yep. And uh, I see Sarah walk in with the undertaker, his then wife. Yeah. So I see Sarah. She's going through uh, to security, and then Undertaker is saying goodbye to her. And uh, she's going through, and I go up to Undertaker, and I say, "Uh, Undertaker, uh, do you think I could get a photograph with you? And I think this is the best chance I got because I look vulnerable. My arm's in a sling. I look really weak, (laughs) so I look pathetic. And uh, he turns with a cold just turning stare as biker taker like he's intimidating and just slowly turns locks eyes with me and says i don't do photos (laughs) the gong was the shit flying out of my pants all all the lights go out in the airport Lights up, Undertaker gone. <laughs> Pile of shit on the floor. Checkpoint Charlie. So I just went, okay, yeah, all right, sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry, but I'm sorry. So he takes off. Did he say anything else or just, I don't do photos? I don't do photos. That's all he said. That's all he said. Damn. And so uh, I went back in line with my brother as we're waiting to go through the line. And uh, Stone Cold and Deborah then get in line behind us. Wow. Couples left early, apparently. <laughs> uh, uh, strong relationship couples. Yeah, 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 yeah. People that really got along. Uh, and I'm, I'm flipping out. It's stone cold behind me. It's like, oh, oh, uh, I want to say something. But he does not look like he's in a pleasant mood. So uh, I eventually just say, uh, stone cold, would it be all right if I got a photo with you? Is that okay? He goes, mm-hmm, yeah. Just really tight-lipped, really quiet. Got a photo with him and then just, you know, left him alone. And realizing then he's getting on the same plane with us. And I'm going, holy shit, Adam, he's, he, we're riding on the same plane together. This is cool. He's going, this isn't right. He's not supposed to be leaving. He just had his match with Scott Hall. Like, why is he going home? This was the the first time when they called it as he was taking his ball and going home. Mm-hmm. When he was having problems with the booking team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The night after WrestleMania. We were on the same plane as him when he's like, that's it. I'm leaving. Wow. And left. And so Was we, he in first class? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because they passed him again too. You you know when you see somebody famous and you have that one encounter and you know that they still recognize you. Yeah, but they, and, but that doesn't like this relationship is not good. It's yeah, not it's gonna like continue. you want to keep saying something like, "Hey, so hey, remember from how yeah. are things going <laughs> since six minutes ago?" I'm the lip kid from outside. <laughs> how are you? So my brother's piecing it together. Like I think he's leaving. I don't think he's sticking around. Like something bad's going on. I'm like, I want to go talk to him. Don't go talk to him. <laughs> so, but I don't. And just the whole time, there's a. There's a cold feeling in the air, like something's not right. But yeah, well, the Undertaker <laughs> <laughs> and my shitty pants, which those dogs are sniffing. But that was my most. Uh, that was one of the most favorable ones. Is uh, meet Stone Cold. And then, what did you think when you got home or whatever and saw that he had quit the company that day? Uh, well, he came back one more time and yeah. then he bailed again. But oh, it was yeah. like, whoa, we broke news, but we didn't break news. We didn't have any way of reporting it. it you know, <laughs> we were there. We were aware of the news. Yeah. Steve, what about you? You guys ran into uh, John Laurinaitis and Pat Patterson later <laughs> at SummerSlam. Uh, that's been covered. I don't. I, I don't. I really don't have any wrestling interactions. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> what an idiot. I, uh, I I avoid them. They're hard workers, and I don't want to bug them. 
I had a good time on the uh, on the independent wrestling scene for a long time. I was never. Oh, thanks, Mark. A, I was never an independent. Oh, are you not not hanging out with you, Steve? Oh, okay. I mean, when I've because I, I was about to say I don't think we've ever done that. I mean, uh, years ago, uh, when I was uh, before I started doing comedy professionally, I worked on the independent wrestling scene for a long time for about five years. I started um, in my late teens and was a ring announcer for the most part. I was a ring announcer and a ring announcer. Did you ever have all- your oil checked? Um, I was never fortunate enough to have my oil checked, but I did get whacked really hard with a kendo stick once. By, oh, good. Yeah. By who? By uh, a guy named Death Dealer Tommy Star. Ooh. Whoa, that's what you get when fuck with Death yeah. Dealer Tommy Star. I liked. I, so Tommy Shit. was a good guy, but he had a he had a temper and. Um, <laughs> He, Death uh, dealer Tommy Star had no a temper. Yeah, that's weird. Get and, out uh, of here. He um, he was the champion of this local promotion, and um, he wrestled his match. He won his match, and he was in the ring. But his his gimmick was he, he was like a masked silent guy, and um, he would beat people up with his kendo stick. Well, the referee was supposed to hand, you know as referees are supposed to do. He was supposed to hand Tommy the title belt after the match. Well, the referee doesn't hand Tommy the title belt. Tommy's in the ring celebrating his victory. The referee is fucking gone and back in the dressing room. And t- I'm I'm on the I'm on the floor uh, standing up against the ring apron. And Tommy's coming over to me and he's like trying to say something under the mask, but he doesn't want to talk because his gimmick is he doesn't talk. So I'm like looking at him like I don't know what you're saying, man. And he's like trying to communicate something to me, and I'm like I don't know what you're saying. And he's making weird gestures, and I still don't know what he's saying. What he wants is for me to go and get the title belt and hand it to him, but I never do that. The ring announcer never does that, so it doesn't occur to me to do. And finally, he's just had it with me, and he just fucking nails me with this kendo stick <laughs> as hard as he can across the back. And it, I mean, I sold it, but like it hurt like hell. Like I didn't need to act too much. That thing is painful. But um, did he? No. What happened after the show? Did he explain himself? Yeah. After the show, he was like, "I'm sorry, man. I just needed my belt." And then it was like we were having Whoa, this. Whoa! You can talk. <laughs> he was like, "Oh man!" We were having this weird exchange, and I felt like I looked like shit out there, so I had to like just hit you. <laughs> like, all right. But uh, but a lot of times, hey, Mister Death Dealer, it would have been great autograph? if you didn't sell it at all. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, then he would have beat the hey, shit I out of me. I am not paid to do this. <laughs> He'd have be- beat the shit out of me. Oh, one time I didn't sell. Uh, oh boy. I can't remember this guy's name. He was a short Canadian guy, and um, and Peter uh, Williams, the Canadian he, he was trying all, that, all Canadians. <laughs> he, he was trying a new gimmick called the uh, the pit bull, and um, his so he had like. He had like a dog, like a dog collar and chain, and he ran to the ring like on all fours, like a pit bull, and then he jumped to the ring like a pit bull, and everybody, I guess, he wanted us all to dive out of the ring, like so the referee jumped out of the way as if as if pit bull was gonna bite his ankles, <laughs> and I didn't. I just stood there in the middle of the ring and did his ring introduction. And it didn't even occur to me to run out of the way because this was so fucking lame, this gimmick. Did you start petting him? (laughs) So I don't move. I just stand there. And then afterwards in the locker room, he was hot. He was pissed. He was like, I'm trying to get a new gimmick over here. I don't want to be on these indie shows for the rest of my life. I'm trying to get somewhere. Somewhere I'm trying to do something. And you're out there. And you know, the referee sold it. Everybody sold it. And you didn't, you're didn't. you not selling it. And I was like, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know what to say. But anyways, but sometimes the, the, we would have some big stars come in and um, – uh, or, for, or former big stars. And in one show, we had uh, Honky Tonk Man, Greg Valentine, and Tito Santana all on the same show. And it was not only my job to be the ring announcer, but it was my job to pick up all the guys from the airport and drive them back to their airport afterwards. So I... Um, so your job was to professionally pick up uh, men. Yes. And... Uh, <laughs> 
But uh, Steve does that amateur status. <laughs> that night was a lot of fun. Are you a wrestler? Oh well, get in the can, get in the car. Yeah, anyway. get on the back of my bike. <laughs> so I had all three of those guys in my uh, in my 1999 Ford EXP. Whoa! Yeah, up top, yeah. up top. And I thought this is pretty cool. I've got. I was marking out at the time. I was like, I've got three former Intercontinental Champions in my car. <laughs> Please don't say that out loud. Turn up the radio and keep driving. This. <laughs> but yes, indeedy. That's all I got, John. Another story. <gasps> How about another one of yours, Steve? Uh, I had a real, a couple of real riveting ones. When you were stalking John Cena's tour bus? No. I don't have any. I don't need them. They're too busy. <laughs> got you guys. Uh, what, uh, uh, the following year at WrestleMania 19, that was a real fun one. Uh, I was uh, with my... Did you get all these tickets from Make-A-Wish? Yeah. How were you able to go to all these <laughs> WrestleManias? Uh, I had U.S. dollars, and I spent them on tickets. <laughs> I thought maybe you just put slings and stuff on to get Make-A-Wish tickets. Man, no, it sounds I, like you bribed Make-A-Wish with all that cash. I was in a wheelchair this year. I learned my lesson. <laughs> Sling doesn't do anything. Mr. Undertaker, if I could stand up, do you think I could get a picture with you? I don't take photos with cripples. Oh, bong. Oh. Pushes me over. Hey. Where'd that tattoo on your neck go? <laughs> Shut up. Uh... <laughs> We, uh, a friend of mine, uh, another Steve, uh, we went to Seattle. He had some family up there. So we went to, to go see WrestleMania 19 and, uh, we saw the hotel where everybody was staying. And, uh, so we saw, we would just park out there and just see all the guys coming in and coming out and, uh, talking with us. And a lot of the, uh, lower card guys were really cool. Um, and one of my favorite encounters was I'd seen the guy a bunch before and it was always fun to talk to him, but, uh, he was now in the WWE, uh, E. I think it was F then. I don't know. Uh, and, the world, uh, worldwide, best thing in the day. <laughs> Thank you, Andre. Uh, and uh, was so excited to see John Cena. John Cena was there. And I saw him in UPW Days, the local indie promotion that was in Southern California that I used to watch in Anaheim and stuff all the time. In Santa Ana and always go see those shows. And he was the prototype. And he was terrible. It was Lex Luger, but worse. Um, just robotic and, and awful. And he couldn't wrestle worth a lick. But he was always a really cool guy after the shows. And so we saw him, and Steve had went to go see all those shows too. And when we approached him and talked to him, not you, Steve. I already said another Steve. Did you? Are yes. you jealous, Steve? His name's Steve Vanoni. Are you Steve? jealous, Steve, that Scott has another Steve friend? Steve Vanilli mm-hmm. sounds awesome. That's not his name. Steve Vanoni. Uh, and so we went to we, went to go talk to Cena, and uh, we said, hey, man, we used to watch you in all the, the UPW days. Like, we saw you going through there. And he goes, Oh, man, I am sorry, guys. I am sorry you had to sit through all those shitty matches. (laughs) Which, uh, from that moment on, I could never not be a fan of his for life. A guy that would actually apologize for all the terrible stuff that we had to endure as wrestling fans to see him uh, in that day. He can apologize again if we see him today. (laughs) I'm but sorry. he's he's really one of the coolest guys to meet, and like so friendly, so nice. Like uh, UPW days, like he used to post for pictures and stuff, and always cool, always a solid guy. So I well, I love John Cena. What about? But we have a on our Facebook facebook.com slash curtain jerks. Hey, we Boom. have uh, we have some uh, pictures, Scott, of you with other wrestlers you've met over the years, including mm-hmm. there's one with you and Virgil. What was the deal with that? Oh, that was Comic Con. Uh, that was Comic Con a number of years back. Yeah, and the best part about that was uh, uh, Virgil. Uh, 
I, I don't feel bad about saying this. Virgil has a gambling problem. <laughs> you heard it here. Uh, Virgil, if you go meet him at Comic-Con, it's a lot of fun. It's well worth the money to do. You can talk to him for a while and haggle with him on price. Uh, he hits on all the women walking around, and he's really good at pitching himself to sell himself to you to buy a photo or to get a photo with him. And so we're talking for a while, and just I'm curious about stories and stuff because there's very few fans at Comic-Con that recognize wrestlers. And so uh, he's showing me the photos he has for sale, and he shows me some NWO car, and then he starts telling me, like, oh, yeah, man, Hogan hooked me up, man. <laughs> Hogan hooked me up. Like, I was making, like, six mil a year. It was some outrageous <laughs> amount of millions of dollars a year. And then here he is at Comic-Con <laughs> selling photos and pictures for 20 bucks a whack. It's like... Uh, Comic-Con is a huge deal, Scott. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But there's not that many people talking to Virgil, wrestling superstar. And uh, so he's... he's, Superstar valet. (laughs) So so he keeps going, oh, man, God. He he keeps looking at his phone. He's like, it don't work. And then he saw my phone. He's like, oh, you got a nice phone. You you get internet on that phone? I go, yeah. Can I use your phone? And so he takes my phone, checks the internet, keeps calling this number. He's like, you cool with this? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> Keep checking it. And he's he's got then all these printouts of sports teams and and like what's on for the day. Uh oh. So baseball teams, basketball, like just a bunch of different teams. There goes and that six million. Yeah, and he starts going like, <laughs> fucking Yankees, like <laughs> fucking Yankees <laughs> lost, oh, like Virgil. oh. So he keeps checking all this stuff. It's like, oh man, you are just gambling away all this money that you had. So uh, yeah, Virgil's got a bit of a gambling problem. All the hookup that Hogan did didn't do a whole lot of good. Oh boy. But Virgil's a cool guy. Like he's really nice. <laughs> and that photo, he's eating a sandwich. <laughs> He didn't have time. I mean, come on. He has to eat and do photos at the same time. Yeah. Did you pay the $20 for the photo? I haggled him down. Okay. And uh, my friend Steve Benoni, uh, as a birthday present, I, I said, uh, hey, uh, my friend Steve is, is a gigantic wrestling fan, uh, and you're his number one favorite guy like in the whole world. Could you please personalize it? Like, that was bullshit. He, he kind of looked at me. I'm like, no, I'm serious. I kept. I did a hard sell. I'm like, I'm, I swear to God, like you were his favorite guy growing up. He was so excited John, when you broke away from the Million Dollar Man. This must come up and mock him all day long. <laughs> he loved valets. And then so he sent. He wrote this whole big thing like to Steve, my number one fan. Like keep living strong and you know stuff like this. And then keep living strong. Don't bet on the Yankees, <laughs> <laughs> motherfucking Yankees. <laughs> I had uh, the what was it after a SmackDown taping in Detroit. Yes, uh, you Detroit. are correct. In yeah. Detroit, Represent. these guys were at uh, uh, Joe Louis Arena. And there is a hotel. And actually, the fun thing about Detroit is that there's so few places for these wrestlers to stay in the city. Or anyone else. Without getting shot or stabbed. (laughs) Uh, And it's pretty easy to track down where they're going to be at. So, like how just uh, at SummerSlam, we had a little bit of trouble figuring out where these guys would go after. In Detroit, there's no mistaking it. These guys are going to stay at the Renaissance Center Marriott, which is... At the place right down the street from yeah. where they wrestle, they might go for a meal down the street in Greek Town, but that's maybe, about it. Maybe you know the uh, Virgils of the WWE will go gamble at maybe the Greek Town <laughs> Casino or something. But other than that, we always knew that after any event in Detroit, to just beeline over to Renaissance Center and we'd be able to see some people. We got uh, a really a good slam dunk one time because there was quite a few wrestlers. In not the, a good body slam. Not a, we had a good body slam, but then you had to play a pickup game with a bunch of wrestlers. Yes. Uh, we went to the Renaissance Center bar, and uh, JBL and Michael Cole were sitting at a, you know, probably like a couch uh, setup with two chairs on the outside. A love so seat? There was a other. couple of girls sitting at the at the 
on the couch, but Whoa, they were sitting on girls. There was a couple of girls sitting on the couch, uh, but they were si- sitting on opposite sides of each other at this table. Watching now, you know, their relationship on screen when they were commentating together is, you know, JBL belittled Michael Cole a lot. It's so. like uh, you and Steve on the show. Oh, yeah, all the time. Uh, I'm JBL, right? In this relationship? Yeah, yeah, I'm certainly Michael Cole. All right, well, <laughs> I'm going to clean off my knuckles now and get all this poop off them. All right. <laughs> so anyway, uh, my I was with one of my really good friends, Quentin. And he's a big wrestling fan as well. So we decided, like, it'd be super cool to uh, send them over a shot of Jack Daniels. So uh, Quentin sent Body them shots? E- body shots, yes. <laughs> so Quentin sent them over two shots of Jack. Uh, we watched them take them and then watched them never acknowledge who sent them. <laughs> they took two Jacks in the mouth and didn't say hi to you guys? <laughs> two Jack Daniels shots, which, you uh, know, it's not as expensive to drink hard liquor in Detroit as it is here. But that's still, I would say... Five or six dollars each like for the shot. It sounds like you need to send another two shots over. Well, if we had any acknowledgement or a hotel from the room first number. One. Uh, so anyway, we were <laughs> a little jaded by that. We were like, "Oh, those sons of bitches and stuff." Ooh, then you should have sent two shots to those girls. That yeah, was hindsight is twenty twenty, idiot. Uh, so we're sitting there at the bar. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa! That sounded a little bit more like JBL than Michael Cole. There, Michael Cole. I'm gonna check your. Oil Why don't you time. send me the shots? <laughs> <laughs> the Dread Pirate Robbers. <laughs> I wrestle the World Wrestling. <laughs> the world World Wrestling Championship. <laughs> if Andre the Giant was gonna do a shot, it'd be in a pint glass, right? <laughs> it's funny you bring up Andre the Giant because then when we were sitting there thinking that uh, the night was isn't going to get any better. In comes Davari and the great Kali. So you and, were right. And this is when the, <laughs> and this is when the Kali was was brand new. Uh, I think he had just got back from his kidney problems or whatever he had that kept him on the inactive list for a while. And uh, he he ate so many kidneys. Davari was actually really nice, but you know Kali really can't speak so we were like oh hey man you know nice to see you so Davari was like oh he's great he's kind of uh, uh like a germ freak so he won't shake hands but what he does is he just puts his big ham hock of a fist out for you to like hit fists Lick. with him oh. you got a fist bump with him. fist bump yeah so i put my this. hand up now i'm six two i'm over 200 pounds i'm not what you would call a small human being <laughs> why didn't but you just say you're are... over 100 pounds i'm over 200 pounds <laughs> i know but that could be anything <laughs> it gives you an idea that i'm under i'm not under 200 <laughs> just to be honest just so our listeners understand we are not all sitting around brent <laughs> yeah. i'm under 300 but i'm over 200 i'm seven foot four <laughs> 500 pounds hulk hogan all right so many uh, Andre the Giant weighs in at over 150 pounds. <laughs> so anyway, Steve's fat ass just broke the chair. Man, he makes it feel like Andre the Giant. Steve, skinny fat ass. I put my fist up to the Great Khali's, and his fit—he made me look like a like a two-year-old child. My hand looked so small, pressed up against his. It was it was ridiculous. Giant. The what man's a giant. Your head? Please, please explain. <laughs> Say it, Steve. Say it. What are you laughing Stop at? Stop poking yourself in the eye. I almost broke my chair. 
All right, look, guys, wow, we are it. out of time. This flew by. Yeah, I yeah. Feel like we barely scratched the surface of telling yeah, all more stories. stories. Adrian yeah. Adonis, come on, uh, Brooklyn Brawler. It was kind of nice to do this. It was a break from our usual pattern, our usual pace, but sort of more of a nostalgic feel to the show today. But that was fun to do and kind of share some of the things that uh, we've enjoyed about being wrestling fans. And nice to be back and to have everyone here in full force. Yes, everyone yes. here in full force, even, just like every couple of three weeks, even. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we want to tell you about all the stuff we're doing, and we thank you for listening to the show and supporting us. Go to our Facebook.com slash Curtain Jerks and like the show, Twitter.com slash Curtain Jerks, and follow us. And we've been posting some excerpts from the show up on YouTube, so check those out, YouTube.com slash Curtain Jerks. we got all that stuff going on. And thanks to our sound engineer, Meredith Spivey, and, of course, the president of Comedy Podcast Network, Phil Ranta. And Nambla. Join us next time. Bye-bye. For more funny stuff for your eyes and ears, go to ComedyPodcastNetwork.com.